0: Amen. What a blessing. Amen. Let's open our Bibles for the reading of God's Word to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you look at the screen, we're going to read verse 2 through chapter 3, verse 4. But don't panic. It's not that long. <laughs> All right. Just very rare that it, was, it seems like preachers cross over a chapter line, isn't it? But it is one continual letter, and so it's uh, the chapters were added later. But we're going to begin in verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 9. <clears throat> the Bible says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man, which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we might know the things that are freely given to us of god which things also we speak not in the words which man, with man's wisdom which man's wisdom teacheth but which the holy ghost teacheth concerning spiritual things with spiritual comparing excuse me spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yea, he himself hath judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." I have fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto, hitherto, ye were not able to bear it; neither yet now are ye able. For ye are not yet, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? We're going to look at this uh, passage today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer first and ask Him for His help. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today, we thank you for this passage and for the topic that you have given to me. I pray that you would just bless us with this, Lord, and help us, Father, to pull from it truth that will be able to help us, encourage us, and strengthen us in your faith. I pray that you would bless us, Lord, as we start this new series and guide and direct us, Lord, I pray. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to start a new series on the Holy Spirit and his relationship and his working in the Christian I do not believe there is a subject that is more important to the daily successful living of the Christian than this one subject. Uh, That is why I've entitled this series, The Great Life. Uh, Living Christian lives that are led by the Holy Spirit of God is the only way that the Christian can ever glorify God with their lives. Not only that, but it also brings us joy and peace that passes every understanding to our lives. If we're, if we're to do anything for God that is eternal, it'll be dependent upon this subject right here. Any service done for Christ must be led by the Spirit if it's going to have lasting effect. If we're to be successful and prosperous in our Christian lives, we're going to have to do it God's way. After all, He is the Maker, He's the Creator, the Author of our very existence. I think he knows what he's doing. Amen? We're talking about the difference between the spiritual man and the unspiritual man. With both, I'm talking about Christians. The Bible gives the unspiritual man a different name. But this is what we're talking about. We're called to live like Christ in this world. And that's a tall order, isn't it? That's not an easy thing to do. We say that. But that's not an easy thing to do. However, if we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, He enables us to do it. He, we're to show the light of the gospel to everyone around us. That Through our lives and through our actions, we're to show forth His example. We can't do that if we're not led by the Holy Spirit of God. So today I want to start at the very beginning of this subject and describe the three types of men that we find in the Bible in his word <coughs> excuse me as we look around us not judging men but judging the nature of men we can see obvious differences in the character and quality of life of Christians and non-Christians God in his word acknowledges this as well but even among Christians the Lord identifies an important uh, a, a, a distinction and improvement of life if you will that is experienced by many Christians when they follow certain conditions. This is one of the major themes in the Word of God. First 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through chapter 3, verse 4, Paul has divided the entire human race into three groups. The natural man, who is unsaved and unchanged spiritually. In truth, he's spiritually dead. Number two, the carnal man, who is a babe in Christ and walks as a man. And then three, the spiritual man. And these three groups are classified in uh, in these verses according to their ability to understand and receive that which God tells us. As they're revealed to us through God's word and by his Holy Spirit. This passage opens with verse number nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard uh, nor, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. And we'll stop there for just a minute in that verse. We often use this verse in regard to heaven and what God has prepared for us there. But that's not the context of this verse. Paul is talking about this world. Now, The statement about heaven can be true too. It can definitely be applied. Uh, I don't think it's wrong to apply that scripture just in other ways because it's true. Every word of that statement is true about heaven. But the statement there is talking about our Christian life here on this earth. The context of all these verses is talking about that. There's a statement made that we cannot see nor hear, neither have it even entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for us, except that God has revealed them unto us by his Holy Spirit. Verse 10 continues and says, For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. It's through God's word that the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. Men are classified in this passage according to their ability to understand and to receive the deep things of God. Verse 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The statement here is made that we cannot even know the things of man except that the Spirit of man in us shows us the things of man. In other words, we only understand the things of man by our spirit, the word pneuma. In this context speaks of understanding our intellect of man. We understand and we can kind of figure out the, the, uh, the embodiment of mankind and we can understand our workings because the Spirit helps us understand that. Likewise, he says, the things of God cannot be understood except by the Spirit of God. We can only know God and the things of God by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 12 says, now we have, not, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things, the deep things of God, which I have not seen, which neither have not heard, that, those things. He says, the things that are freely given to us of God. Why? Because we that are saved have received the Spirit which is of God. We can understand it. We have received it. We have the ability to know the things of God. Because if you are saved today, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. The Holy Spirit then teaches us. As Paul continues, verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. God uses the word which he has written using man's words, given to them supernaturally by God, to convey the things which eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man. Even though God has given us his word in man's language to understand, it is only through the Holy Spirit that we will be taught and understand. Apart from the Spirit, there can be no spiritual understanding. Paul then continues in verse 14, describing the first of the three types of men. So we see Roman number one, number one, the first type is the natural man. The natural man. Verse 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things, the, deep, the revealed or deep things we talked about earlier, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And Paul is not blaming the natural man here for his inability to understand. He's just stating the fact that they cannot understand it. He then goes on to explain why he can't receive those deep things. First of all, because of letter A, man's wisdom. We've already been told that the deep things can only be understood or explained by the Holy Spirit. So it only follows that the natural man cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned or judged. He has man's wisdom. So he may be able to read the words... But he cannot receive their spiritual meaning unless the Holy Spirit shows him. Prior to this passage we're studying today, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 23, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but in us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent." Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that, and the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jew require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling-block, and unto the Greeks foolishness they don't understand they don't understand what it is i've heard so many times how can you believe this fairy tale it's not a fairy tale but you have to have the holy spirit of god to understand the natural man can read what god has revealed he may speak of what god has revealed but he will not know the deep things of god Unless he listens to the Holy Spirit that is drawing him. Unless he accepts Christ as the Savior and thereby receives the Holy Spirit of God that teaches him. And reveals the deep things of God. Man's wisdom, the natural man is stuck in man's wisdom. And it prevents him from understanding. Secondly, what prevents the natural man from understanding is Satan's deception. Satan counterfeits everything that God creates. Did you know that? He too is said to have deep things to reveal. Revelation 2, 24 says, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan. This doctrine he's talking about is a false doctrine that has come into the church. He says those that have not known the doctrine and have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. He's not. He's talking about the punishment that was going to come to the people in this church that were believing a false doctrine. Satan's doctrine, he says. Deep things of Satan, depths of Satan. Those that didn't believe aren't going to be punished. The devils have a doctrine of their own. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2 it says, Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and what? Doctrines of devils. The devil has a doctrine. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, he continues. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They don't understand because their conscience has been seared. These things, the true child of God cannot be deceived, cannot be received from this. John ten five says, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and follow me. But the natural man, who does not have the Holy Spirit of God to defend him, is fooled and drawn in. All of the false doctrines, all of the modern cults show this to be true. The natural man, though he be educated by man's wisdom, may even be religious, is blind to the gospel unless the Holy Spirit draws him and he yields to the Holy Spirit that draws him. So many people are trapped by this deception. They say, well, my parents believe this, so I must believe this. Or the church says this, so I must say it. But the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them, but what does God's word say? When they read the word of God... They say the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart and pulls them from the false into the true. Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis on the door because the Holy Spirit drew him out of falsehood into the truth through the word of God. The natural man, he may be well educated and very religious and know a lot of things, but he is being deceived if he is not listening to the Holy Spirit and to the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You say, Pastor, I don't think you ought to be calling other religions the, the doctrine of Satan. <laughs> I didn't directly say that, but the Bible says that somebody has blinded them. Who did he say has blinded them? The God of this world, Satan. So if they're to form a doctrinal statement based upon their own wisdom and based upon Satan's deception, it will have to be a new theology that will not contain the gospel of Christ. It may, take, it may contain an image of it, a likeness of it, but will not contain the whole of the gospel. The cross is foolishness to him. So even if he recognizes it as a historical fact, it is not the emphasis and the basis of his theology. I preach Christ and him crucified. That's the basis of our theology. Nothing else do we need to focus on. It is the emphasis. However, as verse 12 tells us, God has freely given his spirit to the, one, to the one who will receive him. He's given his spirit to anyone who will come. and He draws people to him, but they reject him. There is hope for those who are blinded. God can save those who are steeped into false theology. But they have to be willing to hear the truth of the gospel and hear the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart and drawing them to him. Because the things of God cannot be discerned without the Spirit of God, those who are the natural man, no matter how smart they are, will never be able to understand. (coughs) Therefore, what comes most naturally is to dispose of the things they don't understand, the supernatural. A baseless theology of evolution is the best answer to the problem of the origin of the universe because they reject what the Holy Spirit has taught them about creation. I've been amazed in my lifetime to see and hear scientists go from, in my lifetime, go from labeling it the theory of evolution to the fact of evolution without any additional proofs made. We've never found the link. We've never found the evidence. And yet it has just shifted naturally into fact. And when they defend evolution, they say, it's a fact. But no, it's not. (laughs) It's not. However, the things of God cannot be learned through the schools of this world. It is foolishness unto them. It is taught and born of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Christian. He has been given to every Christian so that we may know the things of God. However, there are Christians who are under the limitations of their own carnality. They are unable to receive the meat because of their own carnality. I'm going to take this next type of man out of scriptural order because of a progression that we see. For this we go to chapter 3 verse 1 through 4. Where we learn about number two, the carnal man. Verse one says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are not ye are yet for, try that again, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Some Christians are said to be carnal because they receive only the milk of the word rather than the strong meat or more deep things of God. So there are Christians that are carnal. By carnal, we mean that they are led by the flesh rather than the spirit. Verse 3 tells us of two results of the carnal man. Number one. The first result of carnal men are carnal divisions. Carnal divisions. These Christians yield to envy and strife and divisions and are walking as men while the true child of God is expected to walk in the spirit. Where do divisions in the church come from? Carnal Christians. Every time. Every time. Because that's the focus. Does that mean there's never a disagreement? No, not at all. We can disagree and still be unified. Amen? Because God created us differently. And praise the Lord for that. You don't all look like me. Aren't you glad? Amen? And you don't have my personality. You don't have my challenges with ADD. Amen? We're different. We're not going to agree all the time, but a spirit-filled Christian will work together in unity with those differences and find unity. But these carnal Christians divide, bring strife, bring envy. And while true, the child of God is expected to walk in the spirit Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Envy is part of the lust of the flesh, by the way, listed there. We are expected to walk in love as well. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself to us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for our sweet-smelling savor. We're expected to keep the unity of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.3 says, Endeavoring, striving, To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace although they are saved carnal christians are walking according to the course of this world rather than the holy spirit's leading they're carnal because the flesh is dominating them romans 8 5 through 7 tells us for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Boy, that's not a good place to be, is it? For it is subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal man, or babe in Christ, is not able to bear the deep things of God. They have the capability to discern the deep things of God because they have the spirit but because they are yielded to the flesh and not the Holy Spirit, they are not able to bear the meat. Because of this, they yield to envyings and strife and divisions. Here the divisions is mentioned. I am of Apollos and I am of Apollos. Another says that. Today the divisions are seen in... Well, maybe what Bible college the church leans towards, or like in Paul's day, a preacher that they like to follow, well, I'm of this leaning, or I'm of this camp, or whatever. God says that's not wise, that's carnality. We're not talking about a division based on false theology, by the way, but rather both were preaching Christ and doing the work of Christ, but they preferred one preacher over the other. It was a show of a lack of true Christian love. But there's another result of the carnal man. Not only carnal divisions, but carnal walk as well. This verse says, For ye were yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. He says, Are ye not carnal and walk as men? The carnal Christian is characterized by a walk that is on the same plane as the natural man. Second Corinthians ten two through five says, "But I beseech you, that I may not be bold when I, that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds." casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Although we were walking in the flesh, Paul says, we do not walk according or led by the flesh. We are in this body. We are in the flesh. But we don't have to be led by it. We establish in our lives some strongholds that Satan likes to take hold of when we yield to the flesh. And it becomes strongholds in our life that hold us away from what God wants us to do. The Bible says those need to be pulled down. Here we are given the weapons of our warfare to do this. So he says, first of all, number one, we need to cast down imaginations. We need to cast down imaginations Greek word is logosmos, speaks uh, to consider, to deliberate. It's the never-ending run of your mind's imagination trying to figure it out, trying to make it right. He says, cast that running commentary away that tends to get after the flesh and try to make it on your own. Cast down imaginations. Number two, cast out the lie. Cast down every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The Word of God. The Bible. That's where we get the knowledge of God. So everything that, ca- that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, cast it down. Anything that does not line up with the Word of God, replace the lie with the truth. Which is number three. Replace with the truth. Bringing into captivity, the Bible says here in this verse, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought is brought under obedience to Christ through his word. When we recognize that we are letting a stronghold take hold of our lives and we're beginning to live a carnal walk, live a carnal life, we need to recognize that we need to cast down the imaginations of trying to figure out our own, recognize the lie and cast it out and replace it with the truth, whatever that might be. These are the weapons that we fight against carnality and bringing ourselves under the leading of the God's Holy Spirit. It's a very practical step-by-step process to help us be led by the Holy Spirit every day, all day long. But we're going to have to be in the Bible to know what God's truth is. Amen? In order to replace the lie with the truth. As the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's one or the other. It's not going to be both. And this is how you can do it. this three steps, cast down the imaginations. cast out the lie and replace it with the truth. In other places, Paul puts it on, puts it out as put take off and put on. We take off the sin and we put on the righteousness. We take off the lie and we put on the truth. We take off the stealing, and we put on the contentment. We replace the evil with the good. Then he gives a third type of man here in this passage, the spiritual man. This is actually the second classification he gives, but I wanted to take this in a progressive order, like I said before. First Corinthians 2:15 tells us, "But he that is spiritual judgeth all things." Yet he himself is judged of no man. First of all, let's look and see the progression that we have here. Louis Sperry Chafer, in his book, He That Is Spiritual, gives a progressive order that we see in this passage of the whole context of what we're talking about here. I like the way that he worded it, so I'm just going to read what he wrote. First, he says, the divine revelation is now given. It is concerning the things which I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor neither hath entered into the heart of man. It is revealed by the Spirit. We see this first step in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, as we read earlier. Second is the revelation. Uh, the revelation is of the deep things of God, which no man can know. However, the Spirit of God knows them, 1 Corinthians two 10. Third, believers have received the Spirit, who knows, uh, who knows in order that they may know the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Fourth, the divine wisdom is hidden in the very words of God's book, but the spiritual content of these words is understood only as one is able to compare spiritual things with spiritual. 1 Corinthians 2.13 Then fifth, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can they know him, because they are only by the Spirit discerned. He has not received the Spirit of God, so he cannot receive it. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Sixth, the carnal Christian is born again and possesses the indwelling spirit, but his carnality hinders the full ministry of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-4. Then seventh, the progression, then is to he that is spiritual judgeth all things. There's no limitation upon him in the realm of the things of God. He can freely receive the divine revelation and he glories in it. He may enter as any other man into the subjects which are common to human knowledge, but he judges and discerns them, all of them according to God's word. And he can see God's truth. Man's wisdom is seen clearly. What is lie and what is truth by using the word of God. And this is the progression from unsaved to saved, from carnal to spiritual. It's a regression we see here. And then secondly, we see the change. What is the change? It's from the natural man to the saved man, the carnal man to the spiritual man, that change that happens. The first is the divine accomplishment. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, drawing us to Christ, to faith in Christ, when we yield to his Holy Spirit and yield to the truth of God about the gospel, and we accept Christ. And it's a working of God in our lives. Amen second change is accomplished when there's a real yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. The second change, or this progression, may happen to a person the moment they're saved through faith in Christ. They may, at the same time, wholly yield to God at that moment. That happened to Paul. Acts 9, 4-6 says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 6 says, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He yielded his will to what the Lord wanted. The Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He heard the truth, he responded in faith, and he immediately surrendered his will to God's will of what he was supposed to do after his belief. There's no evidence that he ever changed from this attitude of yieldedness to God. All throughout the Bible, we see the faithfulness of Paul from that moment being yielded to what God wanted him to do. A person may at times in their lives choose to yield to the flesh rather than the Holy Spirit. They didn't lose the Holy Spirit of God. They lost the leading of the Holy Spirit until they were willing to listen to him and yield to Him. They lose the peace that comes from being yielded to the Holy Spirit. But they don't lose the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very clear that He is with us to stay. Oh, but we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in coming weeks as we continue this idea of the spiritual man, the ideal for every Christian's life. Complete communion with God through the Holy Spirit as he reveals and helps us understand God's will through his word. Boy, what fellowship we can have, amen? What blessings. You can live the spirit-filled life too. When we yield ourselves and our lives to God every day afresh all day long, every hour, every moment, consistently yielding ourselves to what God wants us to do. It's not a one-time decision like salvation is. It's a moment-by-moment yielding. Next week, we're going to look at the ministries of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do to us, through us, and for us? We're going to look at that next week. But as for today, do you know for sure that heaven is your home? Are you God's child? The Bible tells us that if we are God's child, we'll know. Romans 8, 16 says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We're going to know that we're God's child because the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. Satan may bring doubts from time to time. But deep down, when we look at the promises of God, we know we are God's children. If you're not God's child, you are a natural man. You do not have the help of the Holy Spirit in this life. You will not have the peace that passes all understanding. You will not feel the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, etc., that those who are saved experience. Accept Jesus' invitation today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13 tells us, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you are saved today. But you have been yielding to the flesh rather than the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're a babe in Christ and need to mature in Christ. You've never gotten to the place to where you've matured, to where you could handle the meat of God. This starts with a decision to mature, to yield to the Holy Spirit of God, to learn from him. Change your mind about following the Holy Spirit and His leading. Daily, continually, yield to the Holy Spirit and make that decision on purpose. Are you willing to be yielded to God? Are you willing to obey His yielding? I've heard Christians say, I'm afraid to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid to of what he's going to tell me to do. He might tell me to be a missionary in the deepest parts of Africa or someplace else. Can I tell you, you never have to be afraid of the will of God. If it were God's will, he first changes your heart and your desires. Because the grace of God is God giving me the desire And then the power to do his will. He gives us that change of heart. You never have to fear yielding to God. Because with it comes the peace, the joy, the love, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance or spirit-controlled life as we continue our study on the Holy Spirit and His work in us, I hope that you'll be faithful and be open to hear the truth from God's Word and be ready to apply it to your life. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I pray that you would bless us, Lord, now as we close this morning's service with a verse of invitation. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, every single one of us, from the back of the room to the very front of the room, Every one of us needs to be yielded to you. Every day, all day. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have you our focus. I pray that you guide and direct us now today. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, as we pray, as we sing. If there be anything that is between us and you, where that's hindering us from hearing you, anything we need to repent from, change our direction so that we can follow your Holy Spirit's leading through his word through your word. Lord, I pray that you convict us of it and help us to change our direction and confess it. And may we leave here listening to your Holy Spirit in every part of our lives. Not have a spiritual life at church and leave try to leave the Holy Spirit there and go on about our days and live the way we want to live. But as is true anyways, take him with us. He's there. But we just need to focus on him and listen to the word of God as he shows us in the word of God what we need to do. Help us be in the word, Lord, I pray, and be faithful to reading, to hearing, and to keeping the word of God in our hearts. Pray that you bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray these things amen let's open our psalm books to page number 335 words will be